Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries Podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time, and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Sierra Sullivan. Sierra is an empowerment mentor, ritualist, portal priestess oracle, and sacred journey guide for women and couples seeking more depth and juiciness in their life, their love, and their relationships. And uh, Sierra and I actually go way back. We've known one another for a very long time, and uh, I've watched her evolve and grow and just continue to lead as a visionary on the planet. And so it's such a pleasure to have you here today, Sierra. Welcome to Leading Visionaries Podcast. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. <laughs> well, Sierra, you know, you and I do go way back. And what I want to start with here is I want to start with the conversation about being a visionary. And I'd love to have you speak to your own personal experience of receiving vision being a visionary, taking vision and bringing it into manifestation. Like, were you the little girl when you were five or six or seven who had vision and would come in and tell everybody? Or is this something that (laughs) naturally emerged over time as a result of, I don't know, a life intervention or divine intervention? Tell us a little bit about your visionary journey. I think a little bit of both, actually. I think that it was a naturally innate quality. In fact, I was just talking to my three sisters who were together last weekend and they were watching some home movies that we would do as a kid. We would perform for the camera. And I was always the director. And they were like, you could tell, they said that you could tell the videos that I didn't direct versus the ones that I did direct. (laughs) So I, I think I had a vision to create something with a, you know, some sort of form back then. But then I think my my magical visionary superpowers came more online. I think when my mom was diagnosed with a terminal illness and then a couple of years into that passed away, I, I, I was 24 at the time and um, when she passed. And I think that there was in that journey of, you know, sort of like a reality check, uh, you know, a life, a life passage. For me, I feel like it woke up more powers inside of me to be, you know, life's too short. Let's just do some of these things that I see. So I think it was a twofold. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. So would you call yourself a seer? Like, do you see or are you like a knower or some combination of things? Do you actually get a vision or is it a different experience for you? I think I'm more of a knower than a seer. My husband might be more of a seer. He would say that I'm the type of visionary that doesn't, he always has to like show me the visual, (laughs) but so he can see the thing, but I have this deep knowing and this deep tracking. And I think it comes from a listening to the field. I have a listening for the field. And then from that, the field informs me. And then I see what's necessary that would serve those that I'm here to serve. So it's, yeah, I think it's more of a knowing. That's a good way to put it. 
Yeah, well, there's, you know, so many different ways that we can receive vision. And I appreciate that you have a partner who can put it into visuals for you, right? (laughs) Right. So, you know, one of the things that you have also always been from my perspective, like from the moment that you and I met, you have always been a leader. So not Mm -hmm. just a visionary, but you have been a leader and you've been a leader in a way that was somewhat edgy, even you know, at the beginning of our relationship with one another, mm-hmm. you were a very strong advocate for women. So I'd love to have you talk about where that emerged out of, and then maybe a little bit about the evolution of your leadership. Mm, great questions. Yeah. As a leader, again, back to when I was younger, I would always lead in some form. Like I had when I was in elementary school I remember I loved the I loved the movie Grease at the time and so I wanted to have my own little pink ladies club I called it the purple ladies and so I would you know lead a group of women or girls at the time into some sort of you know like hey would you join my club and then I would lead by directing those videos and so on and so forth so early on I would I would love to gather people to something create something interesting get them on board with the vision and then do that. And I, and then it came very clear after I had like almost 12 years or more in the entertainment industry, working at a job, even though it was a freelance job, it felt a little bit entrepreneurial, but it was still a job. I would go to a job every so long, collect the pay, do the job, collect the paycheck. And then, you know, till the next gig came along after I quit that, I know along the way, I was like, this is not for me. I need to be in a place where I can actually be more creative, be more in the things that make a difference in the world. I really wanted to make a difference in the world. And I learned that from my parents who my dad became mayor. My mom was, you know, the perfect first wife or whatever they call them. And, you know, they would create all these amazing things for the community. And their whole vision was making the community a better place, bringing the community together to share resources, to make it a better place. They co-created a festival together and, and so on and so forth. And so it was nature and nurture, probably, you know, maybe more on the nurture than the nature, who knows, because that was the nurture. I don't, I don't really know. But that's been my, my propensity for how I lead. I see something that needs to be shifted in society or in the world or in our consciousness or our belief systems. And I rally people to that cause and I lead people to then help me co-create that all the way down to, you know, I have two businesses, but both are geared towards people co-creating with me versus me just standing at the top and telling and leading or mentoring from that perspective. It's it's a very shared communal aspect to everything pretty much that I've ever done, including my very first business, which was The Ray Magazine. It was all about gathering women to this cause and publishing the content in a magazine. Right, so. right. And you primarily have been focused on women, although the the business that you have with your husband is focused on couples. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about leading women, because I think there's a little bit of a difference between leading women and leading multiple genders. Totally. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think women in general are more wired to this whole communal thing. However, from my perspective and my own personal experience, we went through a generation where there was a lot of severance, a lot of severance Mm -hmm. of the community ties, a lot of severance of our kind of more feminine role of keeping the community together Mm -hmm. and a a real masculinization of 
a whole generation of women, at least one, maybe more generations of women. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about the particular differences that you see in both leading women in general and also kind of working towards a restoration of the natural feminine way of leadership? Yeah, I find that women, as you said, they they do tend to be more willing to gather and more hungry to gather. Although once we gather, we've got to work out all the interpersonal dynamics that came from some of this indoctrination that you spoke to of where we've been enculturated and a more masculine form of whatever, everything from confidence to leadership to you name it. So, you know, how we get things done. And so on one hand, just getting women together in some sort of gathering, it's easier to do than most. And once you get women there for a short period of time, we feel fed, we feel nurtured, we feel uplifted. Over a longer period of time, trying to co-create something, it becomes a little bit trickier um, because we're dealing with sister wounds, we're dealing with the mother wounds, you know, which are you know things passed down from this from this indoctrination and conditioning and all the things that, you know, that we're, we're living through. And yet it's funny. I am part of a group of women that are probably 15 or so years, maybe almost 20 years younger than me now. Like like when I was in my twenties, I'm in my late forties now. And, and I'm watching this thread and the conversation that they're having is not different at all from the conversation that I was having when I was their age. They're talking about the reemergence of the feminine. They're talking about not trying to overdo it. You know, they're talking about how do we embrace more of our, you know, witchy selves or magical selves or spiritual selves and using pleasure and all these things. And I'm like, gosh, does this mean that that we're just not there yet? Or that that's just the rite of passage that we go through as we go through these ages. And I'm and I'm a little bit, I think it's a little bit of both again. <laughs> Maybe not, Sierra, because I can yeah. tell you we were not talking about those things when I was in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. It was like it was my 40s before that even came on the radar screen. Right. So I would say that there's been a generational leap. I will affirm. Okay, good. You. All right, good. There all has right. been a, a generational <laughs> leap when I I, I attended this thing where it was all about learning about my own physical, you know, genitals. It was about learning about my genitals. And the teacher said, a man's orgasm is his responsibility. I was 53 years old. And that was a shocking thought to me. Wow. I was like, what? A man's orgasm is his responsibility? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) So speaking of orgasms. (laughs) Good segue. (laughs) Good segue. Your work now is in the most intimate zone of Mm -hmm. a woman and her feminine power. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about what your vision is right now and how you're leading right now. Well, right now, the vision is to take the Portal Priestess Mystery School and get it out to as many women as I possibly can, if we could reach a million women through the art of pussyology, which is the technique that we teach to love their, their, their yonis, their flowers, their portals, their, you know, whatever else you want to call it, vulva, you name it. And to teach them this art of pussyology and let that become a method for more women to gather around so that we can really see, honor, and revere this part of ourselves that has been overly shamed, overly sexualized, you name it. It's we've been totally disconnected from this part of ourselves. And it is 
you know, it's the portal through which all life was meant to come through, you know, forget science for a second and anything that does it. Otherwise you're inseminated through that portal and you're brought birth through that portal in one way or another. And so for that part of ourselves, the mother code of that, the, the divine mother in and of itself, the OG feminine essence to be so yeah, sexualized or shamed or you name it is you can see the results of that in our society, how we treat our planet, how we treat each other, how we treat our mothers. I mean, I can go on and on. This is my, obviously my soapbox. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, it is your soapbox and we're going to talk more about your soapbox when we come back from the break. But right now, listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. Interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground? You can apply to qualify for a complimentary consultation with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I'm going to shout out this week to our listeners in Florida, in New York, and in California, all places where I have been in connection in real life with Sierra. And we will be right back with Sierra Sullivan. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently, who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand. And as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Sierra Sullivan. Before we went to the break, I told you I would let you know where you're going to find out more about her. You can go to portalpriestess.com forward slash love your yoni. Portalpriestess.com forward slash love your yoni. We will have that for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, you were getting on your soapbox, Sierra. (laughs) And so I would love to have you keep being on your soapbox because, you know, I think that's one of the things that a leader needs to do. A leader needs to speak and enroll. Those are like two key things. You're the voice of your of your vision. You're the voice and you're the one who makes the decision to value your vision and enroll people into your vision. So let's talk about what exactly specifically and precisely you want to happen for people who engage with you at the portalpriestess.com. So I want to change the conversation that we're having around our sacred portals, especially with those, number one, with those of us who have one. 
it's amazing to see how much, again, shame, sexualization, disconnect, even looking. That's the thing that I help women do is to really look, but not just look, but to see and to see symbols and you know the whole thing. There's a whole lot that I could say about that. But I find that when I share this work, women are either super intrigued or super repulsed. And the repulsion comes from, oh my God, why would you ever look? I don't want to look. I don't want to see. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't, you know, it's and it's already hard enough to see unless you get a mirror or or a nice phone and do a little, little, you don't need selfie. And so <laughs> the fact which I highly recommend. <laughs> Just do Not a little Yoni selfie. Just do a little Yoni selfie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend posting it anywhere, but <laughs> well, I guess if you have your OnlyFans channel, you can do all you want there. But there's a real miss in the culture of at least Western women. And I'm guessing it's everywhere from, you know, I've had a few women from other countries who popped into the temple of the sacred portal and whatnot. But where we are afraid to look, we're not looking because we're embarrassed about what we see. We're disgusted by what we see. We're, yeah, we're shame. We feel shameful about what we see. We have judgment about it. We think it's supposed to look a certain way. We think that all of the yonis of the world look the same. They don't. And so if there's anything that doesn't feel like what you've been shown in typical media or pornography or whatever, wherever you're looking to find this stuff... You're going to, you know, it awakens women to a whole new just way of seeing themselves. And then, of course, I add in the twist of uh, the Secrets of the Universe video that helps women actually see their divine design as it is in nature. So that transforms the way we see ourselves when we can see that the image, the likeness of Yoni, of vulva itself can be seen in nature. And then we're like everywhere in nature. I mean, you can't unsee it once you see it. And so all of a sudden you're like, wow, if it's, you know, you look at a tree and just because the tree's a little gnarly or naughty or bendy or whatever, you can still appreciate so much beauty that that tree has to offer. And no tree is alike. And the same is true for any of us or any of our body parts, but especially that part, if we can't revere that and and find love and awe and majesty with that part of ourselves, what hope do we have? What hope do we have? And how are we going to see it in the world at large? Mm. So it's really a global conversation, even though it's an individual journey. Yeah, it is a global conversation for more than 50% of the people on the planet to be having. (laughs) Totally. So I want to talk a little bit, Sierra, about how pussyology came to you, because I was with you through a period of time where, you know, there was some hesitance on your part. And this is, I think, something that happens for leading visionaries is you'll get a big vision and then you have to actually accept it and be like, okay, I will do that. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But then is this process that we have to go through to say yes to the vision and then to fully engage in bringing that vision into reality. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit just in general for people who are listening for the leading visionary part of this. What was it like for you to get this vision that all of a sudden, oh my God, I am here to teach women to take out, do a portal, you know, (laughs) portal selfie and all of the other amazing things that you do in service. So let me be clear to our listeners. This is in service to releasing shame on a planetary level Mm -hmm. from the feminine. 
-hmm. from the place where life literally emerges. So let's talk about the challenges that you had as you kind of grappled with that vision coming in and that calling. (laughs) Well, believe it or not, I was one of those women that would never even want to go to any sort of workshop or seminar or anything where you would be showing that part of yourself. I was, I was like, I had my own disgust and my own disdain and my own revulsion to it. And so when this was shown to me, I mean, let me just back up a second because it was it was shown to me because I had a listening for it that I wouldn't have had had I not released an identity that I was caught up with with a previous brand and a previous business offering that I was doing. Still empowering women, still on a similar track, but not at all looking at our yonis <laughs> in any sort of you know group space or anything like that. I was leading women in a whole different conversation and. I blew up that brand, I like to say, because it's kind of basically just like, I'm done. I'm no longer this. I have to discover who I am. So I had four months of being the nobody, faceless, nothing, no one, and really peeling away my ego from this need to be somebody in the world based on this brand I had built. And so I was in a place of curiosity and openness and willingness to be shown what was next. So I was in receiving mode. Um, with a clear palette that I'd haven't had in years, I would say. So that was helpful. But then when the actual calling came and it it knocked me on the head, I was guided one night in a ceremony to do this ritual. And there's a long story, but the quick and down and dirty of it is, is that it sort of started with a innocent conversation between me and another woman at this gathering. And we had both done some, some pussy empowered work at that time. And she encouraged me to show her my Yoni. And I want, as soon as I showed her, I created this whole beautiful worship station. I was like, well, we're going to show it to you. Let's make this beautiful. And I showed it to her and another friend at the time. And they're both just like, mine doesn't look like that. Does yours look like that? And, and we were like, in awe, because we didn't, hadn't even spent time looking at other women's Yonis. And so I was like, wow, this, this is something, something got into me, but then something dissipated. They went off. We never ended up getting to all three of, we were going to all take a, you know, turn in the seat in the worship seat. But throughout the course of the rest of the night at this gathering, the sacred ceremony gathering that we were doing, I, ca- I had it like, it was like the seed got planted and I was started watering it and I would find other women along the way. And I'd be like, Hey, there's a beautiful worship station. We just set up to worship your Yoni. Would you like to have a Yoni worship? And, you know, most women were like, I don't know. Why do I? But at the end of the night, one woman said, yes. And at that time, I was like, all right, let's get in there. I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> I just thought we'd circle up and she'd show me herself and we'd look. And I had no idea. I was kind of just running off of whatever I was being guided to do. And when we went into the room where the worship station had been set up, nobody was in there except for she and I. And when she grabbed my hand tighter, I could feel that this was something more. And in that moment, it literally started, I guess it's a channeling, but I was channeling this ritual. And so I took her through this whole process. I ended up having her disrobe. I sat in front of her. I did at the time, not knowing that this was a reading. I was actually giving her a a, a pussyology reading. I didn't know it, but that's what I was doing. And... She also at that time pointed out a scar tissue that she had had from self-mutilization, unfortunately, that she had had. And I didn't even know, I couldn't tell of the scar tissue, but that in that moment, it became even more real, even more grounded. Wow, I'm here to help this woman not just have a, haha, we're having this lovely pussy viewing, gazing thing. It's like, no, she's had trauma, physical trauma at this part of her body. And, and I'm here to guide her 
through this into the other side so she can fall madly in love with that scar tissue and everything else that's there. And what was shown to me and what I led her through did exactly that. And by the end of that ritual, it was so clear to me that this was something potent and that I had found what was next. Now, I knew it, but like you just said, actually following through with that, I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Where do I go from here? How does this become a thing? Is this a thing I need to charge for? Is it a thing I just do? I had to just be willing and courage and faith to take a step and face my fear one step at a time. And that's pretty much what I did. But it was a wild ride. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was a wild ride. And and because I've been with you on the ride, I will let our listeners know. And this is for any leading visionary. I mean, if you're a visionary, you are innovative. You are insightful. You are ingenious. You are inspired. You're getting shit from the beyond. Whether it's high tech or pussyology, you're getting shit from the beyond. And it's often stuff that nobody's ever heard of before. And then you've got to grapple with it. And then you've got to make the decision to bring it into the world. And Sierra, I think it was a good four year journey before you really like landed it hard. And now you've landed it hard. And yeah. and for those of you who are listening, pussyology is kind of like palm reading, only it's reading the pussy. So mm-hmm. we got about a minute left, Sierra. Mm-hmm. And so in our last minute, I would love to have you just share whatever's on your heart, either to the women who are listening to this episode or to leading visionaries of either gender about this journey of stepping in and saying yes and and doing doing the deal. Mm. I think what I have to say, and it could apply to any and all listeners, is when you, as I mentioned early in the beginning, that my vision is through knowing. When you know, you know. And even though you might question it, Keep stepping in faith for what you know and let the next piece truly reveal itself. Because if I thought I knew 10 steps down versus just knowing what I knew from that initial initiation, I would have been, I'm out of here. This is not, I'm not going to do this. (laughs) And so take that first knowing, anchor it as deep into the soil as you possibly can, water that knowing, nurture that knowing, and let that knowing guide you. Mm, Beautiful. That is gorgeous, Sierra. And- you know, I think it is one of the hard things for visionaries. It's the paradox. Like you get the big vision and then you have to take a step, a step, a step, a step, a step. And if you saw all the details of the big vision when you first got the big vision, you'd be like, no freaking way. Totally. No freaking way. <laughs> and, and, you know, for those of us who are like serial visionaries, even <laughs> though we already know like, oh shit, another vision's coming in. I have no <laughs> idea what this is going to ask of me, right? Oh, we yeah. still say, Yes, because when you know, you know, you can't not know. So yeah, yeah. I'm a knower too, Sierra. And I am so grateful that I know you. And I am so (laughs) grateful for the amazing work that you're doing in the world. Keep planting those beautiful seeds of light Mm -hmm. and watching them blossom. Mm -hmm. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle at Leading Visionaries Podcast on all the major platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. 
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.